In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Beth Laurie with you today here on the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm so glad to have some time with you. I um, asked a couple of people to be on this podcast with me today, but due to some conflicts, it just didn't work out. In prayer, God gave me something to share with you today, so I'm really excited. I feel like God has bubbled this up a bit uh, in the last month with me, and so I'm just uh, glad to talk with you today about one-on-one discipleship. Now, before we get started in this, I want to make it very clear that that was not Jesus's full model of discipleship one-on-one. However, I will unfold uh, what I mean by this as, as our time goes on together. I very much believe groups have much more benefit in discipling than one-on-one discipleship. Groups not only is the model that Jesus used, but think about it. Um, in a teacher-student dynamic, there's a lot of pressure on a teacher to know all the answers. In a group model, it's a shared pool of knowledge, and others can answer, and others can teach. And so that's a great reason why we should have a group. Another reason is the hierarchical feeling of um, a teacher-student model. Um, one becomes more dependent on the disciple maker, uh, and that's very much minimized in a group. There's less accountability in one-on-one discipleship, meaning that the student can ask a question and you can end up in a rabbit hole, um, and you want to help them understand whatever their questions are, um, but you don't always stay on task. And so it takes a lot of intention in one-on-one discipleship, um, or it moves to more shepherding or mentoring. Next, the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst when we are gathered um, in His name, and He's there with us one-on-one, but you can hear many people subjectively say that they sense the sacredness of the Holy Spirit in a group. But most importantly, a group model um, is best because of the way things are processed. In Greek culture, Uh, which is what our school systems are based on. There's a teacher who lectures the students who passively sit there trying to absorb the information. But in the Jewish culture, there was discussion around a table. There was sharing and questions and interactive style learning. And that type of learning is much more um, able to be retained over a period of time. So very much am I a fan of group discipleship. But with that being said, there is sometimes a place for one-on-one discipleship. And I think that we should talk about it and not ignore it. God always meets us where we are. um, And sometimes people aren't ready for a group. There's also a biblical basis for one-on-one discipleship found in 2 Timothy 2.2, where it states, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. So what does it mean to disciple someone one-on-one? It involves a person investing a great deal of time, energy, prayer, and commitment into the life of another person, not just sharing the good news with them, but developing a relationship where the person being discipled grows and draws closer to God. In this model, the person discipling sets the example of what a life with Christ would look like. This type of discipleship 
being a, a role model is detailed further in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 7 and 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to be, how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. One-on-one discipleship is really a ministry of one. Uh, Many in ministry like big crowds. We feel that if the masses are there, it must be worth our time. That is not the case in the kingdom of God. If there was no other person on earth but you, Jesus would still come. He would still suffer. He would still die, and he would rise again to spend eternity with you. Jesus shows us that he goes after the one. He shows up for us, each of us, one-on-one. So we shouldn't get hung up on numbers. We should be willing to invest in the person that God is bringing to us. I will share that in my experience, people who turn down groups often are struggling with a lot of hurt. Maybe it's past hurt that they've sort of buried, or maybe it's a present situation. Another reason might they they might not want to join a group is they have insecurities. Uh, maybe that's something they need to work through before they join a group. And so these are the people that we're talking about today. Um, I want us to find a way of being able to move people toward a group long term. That is the ultimate place that we want them to grow as discipleships. We said earlier in this discussion that the learning is so rich in a group, but there is a place for us to start with them. When we read the master plan of evangelism and we look at the steps of discipleship, it starts with selection, selecting someone who's hungry, available, and teachable. When we look at the four calls of Christ, we see that discipleship becomes comes before lordship. Yet in the Bible, we still see that Jesus healed so that people's life could move toward discipleship. A good example would be Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. The Bible is written in a patriarchal time, so the story is not clear and traceable. But Mary was a Jewish woman from a fishing town in Magdala on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Mark and Luke record the healing of demons from Mary's life in their gospel accounts. She became a full follower of Jesus, and she was with him in all his travels. Her name was mentioned 12 times in the gospels, more than most of the apostles. She was the one of the witnesses for the crucifixion, the burial, and famously, she was the first person that Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection. I have no doubt in my mind that Mary shared her stories of Jesus with many others to make disciples. Like Timothy's mother and grandmother, women had a great kingdom impact. It's just not as clear in the Bible as it is with the stories of the men. We call ourselves disciples of Jesus, and that means that we are to be apprentices, to learn to do all the things that he did. Jesus came to seek the lost, to save the sinners, to heal the sick, the brokenhearted. He came to free the captives, and he came to make disciples. Let us not limit ourselves to only teach to make disciples, but to realize that we should mimic all parts of his life. Mary Magdalene needed healing and care first before she became a disciple of Jesus. 
many other people do as well. And we have a responsibility to help them, to help them learn and heal. And so this is what I'm calling one-on-one discipleship. Maybe you could call it pre-discipleship. I don't really care what term you use, but I do think that there are some steps and processes that help people move from a resistance toward uh, full discipleship um, into the path of being a true apprentice of Jesus. Uh, We live to love God, love his people in this world, and help them whatever way we can to move to become true followers. I also would say, isn't it good stewardship in discipling one-on-one? I mean, if you pray and you ask God to bring you someone to, to disciple, someone to invest in, do you expect God to bring you many when you haven't even cared for one? Well, I mean, maybe we start by obeying God with the one person that he brings us. Maybe we are honorable honorable in that care and trust that God will bring us more through the good stewardship. I think there's a visual we can use to sort of understand and compare what I'm talking about with one-on-one discipling. And maybe it would be that of a young sapling. Gardeners start baby trees in their lives in a small container out of the harsh weather to nurture and grow strong in a greenhouse-type environment. Once they get some roots uh, that they can start to hold up, then they move them outside and they plant them beside the streams of living water so they can flourish. The image shows that we can nurture someone one-on-one with care and time, and then they hopefully will be ready to join a group, hopefully be ready to more focus on discipleship. In the last month alone, I've had four people come to me asking about one-on-one discipleship, mentorship, pre-discipleship, whatever you want to call it. And many of you may know that I was discipled one-on-one. Penny Morgan spent four years with me. She kept um, such tender nurturing over me, and I was so grateful for her in those years. She modeled what it was like for me to live a life of Christ. She helped to heal my broken heart. She walked with me and answered all my many questions, but at the same time, she was gently nudging me toward more, toward a deeper relationship with Christ. And that was such an integral part of my life. Penny also took me to my very first meeting about group discipleship, and she encouraged me to join a group. So I do think that it plays a very valuable role. And so we've talked a lot on all these podcasts about group discipleship, and many of our listeners know what to do there. But the question today is what to do with someone who is insecure about joining a group, or maybe they're just too hurt right now, but yet they're coming to you or they're seeking to learn something that you know or have because maybe they see Christ in your life. And so there's some natural progressions that I would like to share um, in our time together today that are these early stages of helping people move to discipleship. And again, this is assuming that they are interested in learning. Maybe they've asked you to disciple them and you've encouraged them toward a group and they declined it. And so now what? What can you do? As I start to share these things, I want you to remember that I disciple women, and so I use feminine pronouns. So if I say she, um, it is for both man and woman. (laughs) So when you're with this person, uh, start by sharing just a little bit of your story. You don't have to overwhelm them with your full spiritual journey because that might just be too much. Uh, But 
it's important to be vulnerable in you as you start this relationship with them. Um, help them to see and hear that you have had struggles with Christ. They often put others on pedestals thinking that their life has always been uh, wonderful and that God has answered every prayer timely and that everything is beautiful in their life. So it's important to share that you have real struggles and that you experience them and maybe stay in them, but you know where your strength comes from. Another step would be to admit that you don't have all the answers, but that you're there to listen and pray and encourage them. Remind them that Jesus is the one to help and that you're just there to be a representative uh, for him. And Dallas, Dallas Willard says, the more you think you know, the more you need to repent, as a truly wise man would never think that they know everything they believe is accurate. So remember to be humble and admit that you are just there to listen and pray and encourage and walk with them and that you're not there with all the answers to fix their life. At some point, ask her to share about her faith. Ask what she desires in your time together. And this would be important to maybe write down and come back to. Now, many of us know that people don't always know what they need. They know they need Jesus, but they don't know how to seek him. So realize that... Um, you're listening between the words and between the lines. And even if they tell you what their desire is, there might be much more to that. Early on in this relationship, it's also good to ask if they have ever accepted Christ as their Savior. You'd be surprised that many have never had the opportunity to accept Christ, but are scared to bring it up. So by asking, you're giving them the opportunity to accept Christ if they have not. It's not an awkward question. If they have, they'll be glad to tell you about it. If they have not, then you would want to be prepared to look at the scriptures with them around salvation and pray for them and pray with them and help them to pray the sinner's prayer. Then after that, you can rejoice with them and, and help them to get baptized. I think it's a, it's a beautiful experience and something to be prepared for um, as you are walking with someone who is seeking one-on-one -on -one discipleship. A big part of this early phase is listening. Now, as I talk about some of these phases, some of them sort of overlap a little bit, but listening is so very important. I know many disciple makers who love to talk, um, but struggle to listen. God has given us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. And I'm saying that to myself here as I am sharing with you guys that we just all have to step back and listen more. She may need to vent and express her feelings, and so listening will help with that. She may have hurts and pains that she can't even unpack unless she has someone who's willing to listen. So during this stage, we must seek to understand because you cannot understand another person's pain um, without learning to love them. They, they go hand in hand. We can't love them without understanding what they're going through. So make sure you don't interrupt them or tell them stories about yourself during their sharing time. Really make it all about them. Listening well with body language, valuing each and every feeling they have. Remember that love and listening are so closely related that the receiver can hardly tell the difference. Now in this listening, if she should say something that is uh, 
sinful, like hate toward another person or unforgiveness, just silently pray. Pray for her as she shares. You don't have to respond to that sinful uh, comment. Again, you're just keeping the opportunities open to let her share as much as she can during these early stages. When you can, admire things about what she says. Um, If she says, I know God is good, then validate that. If she says, I want to do the right thing, then say, I hear you say you want to do the right thing, that you seek what is right and not just what you feel in this moment. Show lots and lots of grace and compassion and absolutely no judgment. You can never truly pray for someone you judge as judgment is grounded in arrogance and you cannot love and judge at the same time. So make sure no matter what they're sharing that you are showing grace and compassion. Remember that being seen and heard produces a harvest of healing and that's what you're doing in this early phase. You're creating a space for healing. Remember to pray for her every day in your own quiet time. Your prayers are powerful. As you move and continue to listen, you will start to hear what her needs are. Um, And this is where you move to a lot of actions of love and service. Um, Love and service, because of the hurt and insecurity that is there, you are showing them the aroma of Christ. There's many ways you can do this. You can send cards. You can make them a meal. You can... um, listen to a struggle that they have and try to meet that need in some way. But during the phase of caring for them, you're really showing them so much love in whatever ways that God brings to mind. You can do acts of service. You can um, spend quality time with them and, and continue to work on that relationship. So all of this is building up to a relationship with this person that you are starting to disciple one-on-one. And so greet them with a hug when you meet. I mean, Carol Miller says hugs may be silent, but they speak volumes. Invite her to do things with you, church activities, um, things that that you're going to do in your own life. Uh, Let her watch your life and how you honor God. That's how you're a light in her life. Um, You might need to do an inventory of your life. As you are doing that, because we all have places in our life that we need to grow in Christ and we need to align ourselves, but also be your true authentic self in front of her and where you know you have your weakness, talk about it. Don't don't feel you need to cover that up. Do some fun things together in that relationship phase, Uh, bringing her back to Jesus, whatever you can, but don't feel that you have to only sit and talk about Jesus. There's other things that you can do together to build relationship. Um, When COVID is over, you could sponsor this person to go on walk to Emmaus for a weekend retreat, Uh, getting away with God and allowing him to work in our life. Oh, it sparks such great growth. And so that's something to keep in your back pocket as opportunities open up there. Whenever you can, speak scripture over this person. I mean, God has plans for you. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Don't underestimate the power of the spoken word. It does not return void. It can do wonders. Pray over her when she leaves. Pray uh, over her in your quiet time. 
The power of healing is not done by us. It's done by the Holy Spirit. And again, you're just making space for the Holy Spirit to work, and you're interceding for her healing in your prayers. So as this is continuing, you're moving now toward the early phases of discipleship. You can ask her to go to worship with you if she's not already doing so, and then ask her to study the Bible with you. There's a lot of ways to do that. Some people feel like they can't just take on a whole new Bible reading plan, but you could join an existing Bible study together, you and her as participants. And um, the teacher there is doing the teaching, and you are teaching. talking about it with her or meeting afterward to discuss what you learn. Some people use Right Now Media. It has tons of video content on it so that they can be the experts. Uh, But then you and um, her can discuss it together and unpack the information together. That's another way that you can study the Bible. There's nothing more transformational than reading, studying, and pondering God's written word to us. It is a gift. And if she's insecure to join a group, it may be because she has little knowledge of the Bible and does not want to look silly in front of others. So use the one-on-one time to learn the foundations of faith. Teach her what the how the Bible was put together and uh, what why it was chosen this way and why we look at it this way and why we study it. Uh, share how you use the Bible in your day-to-day. Pray. And teach her to pray. That's such a big part. Remember the parts of prayer. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. Those are some basic steps for prayer. And if she doesn't know how, you would want to show her that and model that. Richard Foster says, to pray is to change. So ask her to start praying daily. Now, she might be praying that the troubles in her life uh, would go away, or maybe the person who's causing the troubles in their life would change, that's okay. She's starting to talk to God. It doesn't matter what the prayers are about. You're, you're asking her to start a relationship with, with her father and to take whatever's on her heart in front of him. Again, continue to share your struggles when appropriate and ask her to pray for you. I mean, think about that. You've just flipped it and said, hey, love your prayers for me as well. And that makes her feel valued and and that she has some purpose in all of this as well. Teach truth and trust God to work in her heart. Remember that truth is vital, but without love and grace, it is unbearable. So mix that perfect combination of grace and truth as you are walking in this early phase of discipleship. Remember, your job is not to fix them, but to create that space for them to learn and grow. This is really hard for a lot of people. They want to give advice. They want to tell other people what to do. Try your best to wait until they ask you for some godly wisdom um, or some guidance, but don't feel that you are responsible for the steps that they are taking. They are learning. They are practicing living for God, and they will make mistakes along the way and do things that probably— Uh, you have advised against, um, but you still keep walking with them. This is such a long process. Remember, the most important thing is to show up with your Bible over and over and over again and trust God to do the transformation in her life. Your goal in discipleship is always to disciple to maturity, meaning that you've developed a lifelong relationship with this person. Even if they do go a 
and join another group because of the opportunity turn worked out, you will still invest in them. Um, and maybe they will join one of your groups that you're forming, but you're helping them move from whatever resistance they have. You're helping them move toward growing, learning, maturing in Christ. Whatever you start to to do with them, remember that it's not about the curriculum. It's about gathering in the name of Jesus. Uh, there's such power in just opening God's word and opening our, our heart in a sacred space. God takes these gatherings and he does a supernatural work inside of us and inside of them. So if you focus on just imparting knowledge, we sometimes miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a mystery involved that we cannot take credit for when we gather and we are teaching and learning and sharing and praying together. It is a supernatural event that is happening right in the midst as God works in both that person and ourselves at the same time. As you continue, help them help this person to stand firm in their faith. I mean, that's really what it becomes about is that that they at some point will be able to join a group and be able to stand the trials of life and be able to invest in others in their own time. You're helping them slowly move gently forward, taking the next step just one at a time. And remember that as she moves and grows, the focus will probably become less on the problems that initially maybe she shared about and become more about Jesus and more about taking on the characteristics of Christ. When ready, invite her to join a discipleship group. Yes, I've said this from the beginning. I want to say it again now. There's still such good, wonderful things that happen in a group. If they, if she pushes back forever, okay, you tried. But try and encourage and pray that God will help her find uh, a group that she can she can grow into. But you've done your part in caring and listening and meeting her where she's at to help her move from um, being scared of a group to one-on-one discipleship to being able to fully engage in all the commitments that a group um, has. So thank you today for listening. I just want you to remember John 13, 35, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Be blessed and go love all of those in front of you. Make disciples one at a time. Make them many at a time, but keep making disciples. You are doing great things for his kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray over you. Amen. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 